0: Radio Gag, the gaze Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly gaze Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Sarah Germaine Lilly, your host today. And on our show, we are joined by survivors of gun violence. The violence we read about in mass shootings, the violence we read about in the headlines, and sadly, the violence in our own communities that our neighbors and families experience. It's Gun Violence Survivors Week, and our episode is Survivors Next Door. We speak with Sandy Phillips from Aurora, Colorado. She and her husband Lonnie Phillips lost their daughter Jessie Gowie in the Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooting. They have traveled across the US to help survivors like themselves to heal from trauma. Teacher Sarah Lerner tells us how she and her students are coping five years after Parkland. And our Brooklyn neighbors, educational advocate, Celia Green and her sons, Share how gun violence affected their life and their family. And now our first guest, Sandy Phillips, who lost her daughter, Jessie Gowie, in the Aurora, Colorado movie theater attack. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Radio Gag. We want to welcome today Sandy Phillips. She is the mother of Jesse, and she is a co-founder of Survivors Empowered. Welcome back to Radio Gag, Sandy.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
0: So tell us a little bit about your work and tell us about the plans that you have coming up.
1: Well, we have uh, been Survivors Empowered now. We have been responding to mass shootings now for uh, over 10 years. And uh, the last one that I personally went to was Uvalde. And my husband and I, after that horrible um, day, I, I said to him, you know, this is like number 20 that we've gone to. And I don't know that I've got number 21 in me. Um, so our first our first response was to Sandy Hook, and our last one was to Uvalde. Now we have re- responded to others since, but instead of us going, we have sent teams. So now we're looking at um, finding people that are survivors that want to do this work and uh, develop a regional response so it doesn't fall onto just one survivor or one survivor couple like it has on us for the last 10 years. So it was time to take a step back from that and really focus on the other work that we've been doing for the last three years now um, in the mindfulness and of um, wellness And we worked with uh, the University of California, San Diego, to develop a program, especially for survivors of gun violence. And um, we were ready to roll it out. And then COVID hit. And we were like, well, you know, you can't gather in person. So maybe we could try doing this on Zoom and thinking, well, you know, it might not work, but we were surprised and grateful that it worked so well. And we were able to include people from all over the country. So it was a a win-win for all of us. Um, And those have been so successful. And UCSD is so happy with having the data that backs up how important mindfulness is in the space of wellness and, um, and the treatment. I hate that word. Um, The ability to respond in a positive way to PTSD, which most survivors know that they suffer with. So uh, giving them that gift, these classes were done for free. Um, So we wanna continue to be able to provide that. And now we've taken one step forward and said, now that we can all gather again, wouldn't it be great if we could start doing retreats with survivors from all over the country and have them fly into Mexico and spend five days really with one another to have that bonding experience and also um, explore mindfulness and the other um, trauma treatments that there are out there to become aware of them, to deal with grief, to talk about grief and how we're doing on that journey uh, and then send them home with an experience of peace, calm, calm, That's our next project. And we're very, very excited about it. And we're having people respond very positively to it.
0: It's a wonderful tribute to Jesse, your work, but it's also is so, so needed. And it's not just about the victims. It is about the communities. It is about all the people who are absorbing this loss and who many of whom, become advocates and work you can't run out of steam
1: absolutely you have to keep going but you have to also be able to balance you know we talk a lot in america about the work-life balance well we don't talk about the trauma life work balance and you can a lot of survivors we were guilty of it dive into activism immediately and if you don't find a way of balancing the trauma that you've experienced and the grief that you've experienced along with your life and your work, it falls apart. So, you know, giving them a platform and giving them the education and the, and the foundation to build from that is a healthier place, um, I think is probably one of the best gifts, not only that we've given ourselves, but that we can give to other survivors.
0: Thank you so much, Sandy, and your husband, Lonnie Phillips, and thank you, Survivors Empowered, for taking on the difficult work after the shooting, after the loss, after the passing of our loved ones. Really appreciate your work, and thank you for being on Radio Gag today.
1: Thank you for having us. I appreciate it very, very much.
0: You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show, here on listener-sponsored, commercial-free radio, WBAI. Good afternoon. We have a special family here from Brooklyn. So uh, these are my friends, Miss Celia Green, educational advocate, and her sons, Ismail and Raja E. Welcome to Radio Gag, guys.
2: Thank you for having us. We're happy to be sh- here. You know, we were excited, not just always to talk to you, but uh, more specifically to talk about this topic. And people know about what happens as the violence happens, but they don't necessarily think about the aftermath and how it changes the way people do things afterwards.
0: So, yeah. Why don't you tell us about your experiences um, with violence? I know that there was a terrible day in your family a few years ago.
2: Yeah, some um, back in 2013, uh, my husband had gotten shot in front of um, my kids. Uh, I have all together, so um, but four that live in the house with me. And these are two of the four. And three of the four were there when, you know, including Ismail and Rajayi and uh, my other son. So I um, came home basically to, uh, you know, a very disturbing chaotic space uh and there was a lot of negative energy in general around what had happened so um but i will i I do say this it is one of those spaces that you either strive and survive and then thrive or something where it sort of marks you and you go into your shell or um you're not able to function.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, Rajai and Ismail, how did you feel about your lives? Do you see kind of a before and after um, stemming from that
3: day? I would say there was definitely a before and after with me when it came to the incident. Um, Mom and dad could attest to my character when it comes to, I'm I'm a very positive person. I usually don't wish negative upon anyone, but um, after that had happened, I was very close-minded. I became very close-minded because I didn't want to have any like I didn't want to meet new people. I didn't want to talk to anybody new. I didn't want to be like have to be forced into anything. I, I've like basically closed out and didn't want to interact with anybody. Um, and that affected um some of my friendships and stuff like that Because uh, I was in middle school at the time, I think uh, it happened like two days before middle school started. Uh, seventh grade started, so that affected. Going into the brand new school year, it's, it's drastically, drastically affected that. I would say to get out of that, one of the things that, um, that was like a pivotal point for me was that uh, our dad told us that, you know, just because one officer did this doesn't mean that that's every officer's interaction. You're not going to get that interaction with every single officer. So if it wasn't for that, I might have had a drastically different personality. I might have been a different person entirely. Because of that, I would have held that hate, that guilt, the variety of emotions. If it wasn't for what he told me.
0: Got you, got you. What do you think about what your brother said, Ismail?
4: I, I would say, in terms of the before and after, I felt similar. Meaning, um, before said events, I was, um, the positive, optimistic, um type as well um but i think after the event especially when i was in early middle school around sixth to seventh grade i i literally could have cared less about school at that point i was just not my concern in the slightest i was more concerned about other things due to what we were going through at the time and therefore my grades had a Easily the biggest, if not one of the biggest drops I've ever had in um, terms of my educational records. Um, you were, uh, If you were to see my poor cards from back then, it was like 60s and sometimes 50s. And I had quite the grudge back then. I was similar to Roger E. in that sense, where it's just like I
3: wanted some sort of justice to be served. Could I interject something? Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, um, some of that uh stemmed from he he had a particular issue where the her dad was in the hospital for a period of time and Ismail because of his age, or well, what they told us was his age, he wasn't allowed to ever see him. He wasn't allowed to go up to the room and visit him. I was allowed on some cases, depending on who was at the desk, but he was never allowed. So he was isolated from his dad for a period of time. I forget how long it was, but it was it was not great for him. And in terms of the after effect, which
4: I have not mentioned yet, considering the other events that have been happening ever since then, such as George Floyd and um, Irene Nicholson, at the very least, whenever I do go outside and I encounter pops or I would say anyone in general, I'll notice my surroundings, the people around me, and what actions are going on whatever I see and I'll look make sure to keep my distance at the very least even to this day just in case if maybe some event's going to happen and I hopefully dodge a bullet not literally dodging a bullet like someone shooting at me but just in the sense where I dodge a bad event happening
0: I got you yeah yeah is there, is there anything you'd like to uh, say to our listeners before we um, end our conversation and say goodbye? You've, you have already given us a lot to think about.
2: No, I want to say that um, I, I've always been an advocate for special education because I have a son, uh, two older sons that are um, special ed and have multiple disabilities and so on. And I learned some of the advocacy that I have from my mom, who was a nurse from the time she was 17 and was a nurse for more than 56 years and, you know, really uh, was, you know, a unionized person and believed in in unions and things like that. And my dad was a communication worker. And, and I'm hoping that this will help some people to see that you may go through a lot. But there is another side. You'll come out the other side. Even if you you go through a lot, you'll definitely there is hope that does spring eternal. Uh, you just have to get to that hope. And sometimes you may need help getting to that hope. <laughs> In my case, I had community and I was happy for community. Uh, not everybody has that. Sometimes your parents live far away or your family lives far away, but not having it's not about not having, it's about not having, um, people use that as the first tool in their arsenal and not having the results of that happen, whether it be the results somebody going to prison, the results someone being buried, the results somebody being um, paralyzed, the results someone being killed that wasn't even the original target. All of these different results have long lasting effects so I, I, the one thing I think I, can, I want people to take away from this is think before you do. Always think before you do, because you don't know what, how you're going to affect yourself and someone else down the line. So I guess I'm going to end on that now. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
4: You Thank you for having family? us. Likewise, it's a pleasure.
0: This is Radio Gag on our Gun Violence Survivors Week show. And our next guest, Sarah Lerner, is a teacher and parent in Parkland, Coral Springs, Florida, and survived the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in which 17 people were killed. We're here with Sarah Lerner. Welcome back to Radio Gag, Sarah. How are you?
5: I'm good. Thank you for having me on for my eight millionth appearance. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm happy to be
0: back. Yeah, yeah. Sarah is a co-founder of Teachers Unify to End Gun Violence. Sarah is also a survivor along with the community of Parkland and Coral Springs. So we wanted to hear from you today because it's Gun Violence Survivors Week. So my big burning question is how are you doing and how are the students doing?
5: That is a big question. Um I am I'm okay. I have been very even keel the last or well leading up to now. Um the last few days I've been a little a little weepy and a little down. But I think that's normal. It's hard to believe that it's been 5 years already. Like it just doesn't it doesn't register and I said this since the beginning it feels like minutes ago it feels like five lifetimes ago but 5 years is a long time and i'm the same person i was beforehand but i'm also drastically different and i'm okay with that i've been talking to former students i've been talking to you know my own children But I was talking to a student who was a senior and was one of my editors that year. You know, he was also saying how hard it is to believe it's been five years. And he's like, I was 17 at the time. Like, he was a month out from turning 18. He's like, and I'm almost 23. And like, I kind of paused at that for a minute, because I was 37 at the time. And now I'm almost 43. Which is so bizarre. I see how I I call them my kids, but my former students, you know, how they're doing. I see them on social media and they are in college, have graduated from college, have careers, have, you know, gotten engaged and are doing such wonderful things both within the realm of activism and for some not. And I'm just so proud of all of the things that, that they have done. But I know that as we lead up to, you know, through this next week and into, um, you know, the actual anniversary itself. But to the, <laughs> the very short answer to your question is I'm, I'm okay. I don't know that I can be anything other than just okay. Okay
0: yeah it's uh, it's so much you know when you come back to this place it's easy to say nothing's changed but a lot has changed and the movement of march for our lives has helped uh, energize so many other movements and and has changed the political climate
5: yeah i mean if you look at Florida, you know, specifically, Maxwell Frost is a United States congressman from the Orlando area. And he's the first Gen Z person to be nominated, you know, elected to Congress. But he was one of the March for Our Lives kids. And he, you know, has been involved in this movement. So not only are we here and the kids from here, you know, changing the political trajectory, but now those kids are lawmakers and will continue to become lawmakers. So, you know, as I have also said all along, it's adults are so quick to dismiss teenagers. You know, like, what do they know? They're always on their phones blah, 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 but from their phones, that's how they started to march for our lives. And those kids who everyone has always been so quick to dismiss are now in great positions of power and you can't ignore that, which is huge and awesome.
0: Well, we're gonna have a chance to talk more soon but we just wanted to check in. Any update on um, Teachers Unify and um, and how can we get in contact with you?
5: Yeah, so everything with Teachers Unify to end gun violence is going really, really well. We celebrated our first birthday back in December-ish, and we are working on some unbelievable things. We've got a great board, and we've added on some ambassadors to help, which is super exciting. Abby, Sari, and I are excited for where the road will take us in terms of getting involved. So you can follow us at Teachers Unify on Twitter and Instagram. You know, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me Um, My email is sarah at teachersunified.org. You can check out our website, teachersunified.org.
0: So we'll catch up if and when. West teachers have a lot to talk about. (laughs) And thank you so much for being on Radio Gag today. Really
5: appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I, I love being here.
0: To get in touch with people from our show today, our guest, uh, Sandy Phillips, is the co-founder of the organization Survivors Empowered. Go to their website, survivorsempowered.org. You can reach Sarah Lerner at Teachers Unify to end gun violence. That's at Teachers Unify on Twitter. To find out more about working with us, please go to GaysAgainstGuns.net or follow us at York on Facebook and Instagram or GagNoGuns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about actions. Sign up for info about meetings and actions at Gagsignup at gmail.com. It is time to end our show, and don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or any major podcast platform. Have a great and safe day.